God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who's brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord said, spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Since the reading of the Lord's word uh, this morning, let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you that as we come before your word, we don't come on our own. We don't come to find out uh, who you are on our own strength or on our own power, but you reveal yourself to us first. We thank you, Lord, that we can know you through your power of redemption, that we can know you and trust you. May you reveal to us what you desire us to learn. May you work in us by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So how do you know who God is? It's a big question, right? How do you know who God is? Uh, And we wouldn't be the first people to ever ask that question. People throughout all of history have asked, how can we know about God? How, uh, what is God? What is he like? What is he made of? How can we prove that he exists, right? All these questions are bound up in, in who is God? What is his identity? And how can we know him? So we've tried throughout the ages to learn about God, to know him through all sorts of ways, right? We've tried science, tried logic uh, and reasoning. Uh, We've tried mystical experiences. We'll try literally any avenue to know God. But the problem is none of those work. Those aren't the ways that we come to know who God is. We don't want to try the one that actually does work. We want to know God on our terms and the ways that we decide. But what that really ends up looking like right, is that we say, oh, we found God, finally, and then we point to a golden calf. 
That's where our own effort gets us. But if you really want to know who God is, if you want to know what he's like, this passage reveals how. Because in this passage, God isn't known on our terms. He doesn't reveal himself in the ways that we want him to. The only way to know him is when he first reveals himself. And how he chooses to do that tells you all you need to know about who he is. Because he reveals himself as Savior and as Redeemer. And he doesn't just reveal his salvation and redemption right, to those who have proven themselves worthy, to those who deserve to know him. It's actually the opposite. He reveals his character. Specifically, he reveals his faithfulness and his grace in saving an unfaithful people. God shows himself to be faithful and gracious by saving an unfaithful people. So remember in the previous passage, where we saw Pharaoh, we saw the Israelites, we saw Moses, uh, all trust in themselves instead of trusting in God. So how Pharaoh trusted his power. Uh, the foreman of Israel trusted their wisdom. Moses trusted his righteousness. And in the end, all that led to right, was insecurity, anger, and it ended with Moses essentially cursing God, calling God evil. His final words right, says, I came in your name, and you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. Essentially, Moses calls God unfaithful at the end of chapter 5. And as if in response to that accusation, the Lord speaks. Verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. Essentially, God is saying two things. He's saying, first, I am the same God who spoke to your forefathers so long ago. I'm the same God. I spoke to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I revealed myself to them. But to you, Moses, and to you, Israel, I'm revealing something about myself that I didn't before. There's something about me that you get to know now, and that's his name. He's saying that, His name is part of how his people know him. He's revealing something about himself. What he's revealing specifically through his name is that the covenant that he made before, he remembers it now. That he is faithful to covenant promises he made in the past. So in verse 4, the Lord says that he has established his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And in verse 5, he says... I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. The Lord is saying, if you want to know me, here's what my name means. What I'm revealing to you, Moses, and to you, Israel, I am faithful to my promises. I keep my covenants. 
even though it was so long ago that you have forgotten, I didn't. I have not forgotten. So Moses' accusation, right, that God is unfaithful falls flat because how can God be unfaithful when he is remembering his covenant, when he is actively pursuing to fulfill his promises? But it's not simply that God is faithful. What the Lord is revealing about himself, what the Lord is, how the Lord is revealing his faithfulness is that he is faithful not just to people who deserve it, not just to people who have been faithful back. He reveals his faithfulness by saving an unfaithful people. Because think about Israel so far. Think about everything that we've read about Moses, about Israel. Have they been faithful to God? Have they trusted him completely? The foreman right, tried to solve the problem of slavery their own way. They said, well, we'll use our wisdom. And when that didn't work, right, they blamed God's messengers. said, it's not our fault. It, it must be someone else's fault. It must be God's messengers' fault. And then in verse 9, right, this people of Israel, in response to hearing who God is, that he is faithful to his promises, in verse 9, it says, Moses spoke all this to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. They hear that God has remembered his covenant that he is faithful, that he will keep his promises. And they say, I don't believe it. I don't believe that's true. And yet, the very next words in verse 10 are the Lord saying, go and do it anyways. Go save this people. Not because they're faithful to me, because God's faithfulness is shown that he saves people who are not faithful in return. He saves people who don't believe in him. God is faithful to the faithless. And this is who he is. But I know what you're saying. right? You're saying, well, surely God is just like me. Yeah, he'll, he'll keep the promises out of obligation, but he, he's not going to be happy about it. Right? God can't possibly do this uh, and be happy about it. He's going to do the bare minimum to keep the promises. And you say, all right, that's it. Y'all have pushed me and tested me too many times. But look at verses 6 and 7. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. See, the Lord, he doesn't just do the bare minimum. He doesn't just do the basic thing that he has to do to fulfill the promises. God gives everything for his people. Not only will he bring them out of slavery, 
Not only will he bring them out of the land of slavery, not only will he bring them to the land that he promised to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, but he says that he will redeem them. That he is going to redeem the people of Israel, which means that God is willing to pay the price for their salvation. That he himself is going to pay the cost. Not just to bring them out of the land, But verse 7, that they are going to be his people, and he is going to be their God. That's not just faithfulness to a promise. That's not just keeping his word. That is going above and beyond. That is the Lord pledging himself, giving himself, letting go of everything he has for the sake of his people that he is gracious. And we see that in that he redeems this unfaithful people, a people who don't believe in him, who don't trust him. And the Lord is saying, this is who I am. If you want to know me, here's how you know me. I am faithful to the faithless and I redeem those who don't deserve it. I give myself to people who don't give themselves back. Right? He isn't willing to pay the price to redeem them because they're worth it. He isn't gracious to them because they deserve it. Aside from one instance, uh, back in chapter, the end of chapter 4 of worship, pretty much all Israel and Moses have done throughout all of Exodus, is doubt God's goodness. To the point where, in the end of chapter 5, Moses says, you're not good. You're not doing good. And when God says, go and say this to Israel, Israel doesn't listen. And the Lord says, go and say to Pharaoh, Moses says, why would Pharaoh listen to me either? You're not good enough, God. You're not good enough to use me. Essentially, Moses' doubt and discouragement is that he doesn't trust God's goodness. He doesn't trust that God is gracious and that God is going to save Israel, regardless of whether they believe him or not. Those are the words... Right, in verse uh, 12, these are the words of someone who is living by sight and not by faith. Because neither Moses nor Israel is worthy of God's love and God's redemption. But if God's grace was only revealed when he gives people what they deserve, there would be nobody left. If God gave to people what they deserved, who could stand? Who would be left on earth? Nobody. God reveals his grace by giving people the opposite of what they deserve. That's why it's grace. And so he reveals his grace 
by saving an unfaithful, a doubting people through a broken messenger who doesn't believe that God is good enough. So if you want to know who God is, he has shown you and he's told you, this is who I am. Three times, four times actually, the Lord says, I am the Lord. The first three are verse two, right? He says to Moses, I am the Lord. Verse six, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. Verse eight, I'll bring you out. I'll give you the land. I am the Lord. But the last time he says it is in verse uh, verse 7. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. That's how you know that he is the Lord, your God, when he redeems you despite the fact that you don't deserve it. That's how you know that God is your God. Because he saves you despite your faithlessness, despite your doubt, despite the fact that you don't believe he's good. But that's how you know that he is the Lord, your God. But there's a reason why people want to try every avenue to know God except for this one. Nobody wants to know God like this. Because it means that you have to admit that you are unfaithful. That you're undeserving. That you're the doubter. You have to admit that you're not the hero. God's the hero who saves and is faithful and gracious to an unfaithful people. And that's why when we come to the cross, it is foolishness to the world. But to those who know who God is, the cross is the greatest picture of who God is. It's the most complete picture that God is faithful, that God is gracious, that he paid the price to redeem an unfaithful people, the price being his own blood. His body and his blood was the price. And he paid it to redeem you. The cross is where we see that it is actually our unfaithfulness that he died for. It's our doubt that put him on the cross. And that we have to admit that we have no hope except in God's faithfulness and grace. Our only hope is that he is who he says he is. He is the Lord, your God. But we continue to doubt. We continue to not trust God. We continue to not have faith. Like Moses, we walk by sight. 
and not by faith. But instead of giving up on us, God does something else. God says, well, then I'll give you something to look at. Something to touch and taste. To see that I am faithful. To taste that I am gracious. And it's the supper. Because when we come to the supper, the supper declares that this is the way to know God. There's no other way. You have to admit that you are unfaithful, that your only hope is Jesus, and then you will know him. You will know that he is faithful because the body and the blood of Jesus declare it. You will know he is gracious because he washes you clean of your sins and calls you to take part in this table that you don't deserve. And the supper guarantees that those who know God belong to him and that he belongs to you. That's a beautiful picture. So I'd like to invite the elders to come up and to administer this joyous sacrifice for us. Our gracious God, we thank you for inviting us to your table. Not because we were worthy, not because we were faithful, but because you are. We ask that you would bless our time in your word, our time at this table, so that we would grow in you, be strengthened by your grace, and follow after you with all of our heart, we pray. Through Christ our Savior. Amen.